The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. We've got Alana Rizzo, a seven-time Emmy winner. She's a host and reporter for the MLB Network, and she's the founder and president of Gidry's Guardian, a nonprofit for rescuing dogs. Alana Rizzo on the Cut to It podcast. Get iced up. Here we go, here we go, here we go, okay. Would you rather meet your grand children or great grandparents oh great grandparents i'd love to know the history of where i came from i don't have kids of my own so the um likelihood of me meeting my grandkids is limb to none (laughs) so i would say great grandparents Uh, my mom is from cuba my dad is um well my grandparents on my dad's side are italian so i'd love to meet my great great grandparents to find out where i came from I kind of like those questions because you never know what you're going to get from people. Like that was, that was cool um, to hear. So that's good because that opens it up to a lot of other questions. Uh, someone that's Cuban American and Italian mm-hmm. and grown up in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Get I to think that I'm the only, later. I'm the, call, only, the only Cuban ever in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check that off. I assumed it, but now I'm right. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. All right. What do you like to do when you're alone? I'm not alone a ton. What do I, I don't, I don't, I'm never, I'm never the type of person that says I need space. So, um, I'm not alone. I'm not alone a ton. I have a a great fiance that I like spending time with. It's fun when we're alone because we're usually around we either have the kids here or, um, family here, which is fine. I actually just moved to the East coast. I used to live in Los Angeles for years. So we were doing coast to coast. So, um, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to be in one spot with him for sure. Hmm. And my wife would definitely tell me to kick rocks. So, <laughs> the like she time. would say, kick rocks. No, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm about to. I'm about but to, but I think everyone needs a little bit of uh, their they own time. So. Well, I yeah. love. This is one of the things that I've heard. Uh, uh, solitude is a great place to visit. However, it is a poor place to stay. That's very well put. I, I do think there are times when you want to be alone and collect your thoughts, but Absolutely. I'm not the type of, I'm a very outgoing person. Um, I love people. I love being around people. I love to entertain. So I love I, to eat really good food, drink really good wine. So how do you 
recharge? Is it around people? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I, I I think um, being around family is good. I love to travel. Um, I love the beach. So I'm looking forward to January. We're going, I'm going to Mexico. We're going to Maui. Um, yeah, I, I recharge by being around people. I don't, I don't sleep a ton. So that's not, that's oh not what God. does it for me. Um, work that's out true. when I can, not that's like you used to work out, but you know, maybe you still do. I don't know. I still have to work out. <laughs> it, it's, it's a great place for me. It's where I clear my, clear my thoughts, get my thoughts together. Um, think a lot, uh, question a lot, get some, get some answers that I don't like sometimes. It gives me a sense to some degree outside of business stuff and work. It gives me some sense of, uh, of real purpose when I can accomplish something because I can start to feel my body at times like, Hey, Hey, fat boy, <laughs> we're getting a little chubby today or, or Hey, we haven't. Well, because my body started to say, Hey, we sitting around all day. <laughs> Or answering the phone or walking up the steps or going to the mailbox. Like, we need to do more than that, right? It's if you have a, obviously, what's your foundation? And I'm assuming you have a dog, right? I do. Right? So, yeah. you know, if that dog, and I have a working dog. I have a Belgian Malinois. So, oh, if, she is, if she is not walked, she will start to pace yep. this, the, the island in our kitchen. And my wife's like, babe, have you taken her on a walk? So, usually... What I do is I'll get up and work out, and my cool down is taking her on the walk. That's important. I uh, I had a, a Border Collie. That's mm. who the foundation's named after, Gidry. And Border Collies are incredibly, like Malinois, they're incredibly, incredibly smart. And yes. they need to be worked, and they need to be active mentally and physically stimulated. And he was the same way. If he didn't get exercise, he would be very anxious. And, um, my dog now Bentley, I rescued her as well. Um, that's what the foundation's about getting dogs off the streets and out of high kill shelters. And she's not as uh, active mm-hmm. as, uh, as Gidry used to be, but I feel you, I feel you when it comes to, and I don't work out like I should, but I can understand how much it helps uh, your mental state too, especially when you've done it for so long. I mean, that's all you've known for so long is to have to be in shape, have to work out, have to keep your body right. So when my fiance is a professional athlete as well. And, you know, he hasn't, he's not playing anymore, but when he doesn't work out, it affects him mentally. And I, and I'm obviously Steve, you know that better than anybody. So it's important. You got to keep your mind right. And for him, it's working out too. What's funny is I didn't know that for a long time. The really? Work, yeah. The working out. I, for me, I stopped working out cause I didn't want my body to, think that we were going back to play so I had to actually mm-hmm. stop and then that was that wasn't good and because then my body started to you know it's like the mind as you get older you got to keep stimulating it or you know keep 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 the wheels going keep them oil oil slow down and so my body started to slow down my knees started hurting mm-hmm. some of that stuff and then I was going back to working out but then when I started back working out my body was like, hey, we're going to play football. So it was just kind of like, <laughs> it was like. got to find a happy place. Yeah, it was find a happy place. So the happy place for me is just kind of, you know, I'll run, I'll bike, I'll do a little bit. But nothing over the top, but then also nothing pedestrian-like. So I got to find that. I'm still trying to find, you know, living in North Carolina, like a NASCAR driver. I'm trying to find that groove on the road. So when I hit that, when I hit all those left turns, 
I I've having my tires have enough tread to know how to do it, and I'm still figuring it out. I'm, yeah, I'm I almost. There. I think it takes time. It takes time for him. You know, he he stopped playing um, a couple of years ago, and if if that's all you guys have known since the time in your itty bitty, making sure that your body is right to have a career and sustain. It's, it's one thing to get into the league, whatever the league it is. It's another thing entirely to stay. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done and that's taken away or you choose to walk away, um, it, it's an interesting balance to to make sure that you can still maintain uh, and not go crazy. Preach. I hear you. Over there dropping nuggets. <laughs> I like it. All right. Favorite spot to go to now that COVID. So COVID has happened. We all been in the house. All of a sudden it's now, man, I am not. Not going where? Maui. We go to Maui every year. Dialed in. uh, Absolutely love it. We are uh, foodies and uh, I love, I love Maui everywhere. We have a place to go every night. Um, That's where I go to unplug. You asked me what I do to to recharge Maui. We go once a year. Uh, We didn't go this this year, obviously. We couldn't go last year. Uh, We got engaged in Maui. Um, Oh. So, so cool. yeah, that that's my spot. She said, "Forget the gym, it's Maui." Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no I'm, not, I'm not going to the gym. That's not I like my favorite. That a lot. I like that a lot more. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, the gym's last on not last on the list, but it's not high up. Yeah, doesn't take it's me real in. low though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was gonna say doesn't, doesn't take multi hour flight, but you know it's pretty dope though. <laughs> knowing how much you travel, knowing how much you like to travel, right? You're with the Dodgers. You're doing that deal with MLB Network. Right. So what is your your go to meal while you're traveling? Right. Because of all these different airports, hotels, city on the go. How do you what do you go to go to to say, hey. I'm here no matter where where it is, if it's a good airport, bad airport, good city, terrible city, rain, sleet, snow, summer. What is your go-to meal on the go or snack on the go. I say meal because it's on the go. So it can't be like, you're not getting a steak with, I, you know, steak on a stick. Yeah. Steak on a stick. Disgusting. Well, (laughs) they'll have that in actually in Maui and it will be really, really good. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) If, if I could have anything, it would probably be Cuban food. So if, if we went to Miami, it would be uh, Cafe, you know, in, in Calle Ocho in uh, Cafe Versailles, I would get the vaca frita, tostones, maduros, yuca frita, and congri. It would be Cuban food. That's funny. Gun to That's my head, too. Cuban food. <laughs> Shut up, Joe. <laughs> yuca frita sounds like fries a little bit. It is. It's yeah, like a. It's like a root. Yeah, it yeah. kind of tastes like a potato, but it's a root. Man, y'all so just missed the it's fact amazing. that I don't speak Cuban, but I just picked that up. You, you speak Cuban, yeah. You, you can you can beat the yuca like a, a number of different places outside of. Man, shut up, yeah. suckers! Yeah. <laughs> you get no bad <laughs> name. My bad. I that barely I'm, know English. My bad. That I'm cultured. <laughs> I barely know English. <laughs> All right, I like that. That's cool for me. My go-to always because I travel a lot um, for work. Smoothie or acai bowl? Acai bowl. That's healthy. You're you're a lot healthier than I. I'm trying. I, yeah, I grew up in L.A., so I still got those kind of homeopathic. And, uh, L.A. is the best place I ever lived. Homeopathic. Whoa. Homeopathic. Serious. We're meaning can like. Get it, can I get it? A, can I get it in a, a root word? 
Um, I need, help, I need help with you that. You ready? One. Organic. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so like my right right now, my wife is uh uh she she orders a lot of vitamin supplements, uh zinc, vitamin C pill form, powder form. We have a defrother, not for coffee, mm. for the supplements to help mix it up. Right? Zinc, vitamin D, vitamin B B12. Um sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. That's what she deals with. And then she gives me a to-go bag wow. for morning, evening. I've been having some. Uh, I, I wear I wear eyeglasses. I have to wear them about three hours a day. And because I'm constantly looking at screens, my eyes been twitching. Like they're getting lazy and all that stuff. So my wife looked up without me going back to the doctor to get a uh, a stronger prescription in eyeglasses. She gave me some, she looked up some stuff and gave me some supplements to help strengthen my eyes and stop the twitching. Now, when she brought it up, I was kind of like, I ain't you know. Listen, hey, boo, give me my eyesights, please. <laughs> <laughs> stop twitching. You know, they got stuff for your, for your eyesight. They got, they got supplements for that. You wear a monocle. A monocle. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I feel like it's a joke. No, it's just the one like Mr. Peanut, just like that one eye thing. Oh yeah, that would look good. That would look classy. Look good. Oh, mono. on TV, Arr. mono. Yeah. Mono means one. I got it. Yeah. See, there you can see, There you go. Hold on. <laughs> you laugh and didn't even know what it was. I, saw him I, had, it I had to break it down. You got to break the word down. He was, they were I, they were eye talking. He <laughs> <laughs> he. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Enough jokes on me. Where are you from? In a place you call your hometown. I was born in Colorado Springs, but if I had to say home, I'd Town. probably Hometown. say L.A., Manhattan Beach. I lived there for seven years, and I was never happier than when I was living mm. there. I just love L.A. I love the weather. I love it. You just feel motivated. You feel like doing stuff. You feel productive. Everyone's out working out. Um, you have good food options. I just I love it. The mood, my mood changes by the weather. So that seasonal depression stuff is real. <laughs> And LA is 80 every day. And I just felt good there. I felt happy. I mean, I love, I love living on the East coast with my fiance. Cause I live in one place now, whereas before we were back and forth all the time mm -hmm. and that's a pain, but uh, there's just something about living by the water and something about the, the vibe of the South Bay that I, I loved. Hmm. I love living there. I love, I love everything about, I lived on my apartment was a piece of garbage. It was like 600 square feet and it was a, it was a train wreck, but it was a billion dollars. Yeah. It was a billion dollars. And, but it was four blocks from the water. And there's just something about that, you know, that to, to come out and see the Pacific ocean. And then I don't know, I loved it. So I'd have to say if I, if I could live anywhere in the United States, it'd be Manhattan beach. So which do you consider to shape you? Like which, which place? I mean, I, I, other than the obvious geographical differences, like which yeah, one, you know, which I've been it's that I've been all over the country. I lived internationally too. So I grew up born and raised in Colorado Springs. And then this job took me everywhere. Yeah, I went from I've lived I've lived in every time zone. So I went from Colorado to Texas, Texas to Wisconsin, Wisconsin back to Colorado, Colorado, New York, New York, LA, and now I live in Massachusetts. So, you know, I think my mom shaped me more than where I lived. Uh, you know, being a, a product of a, a single Cuban mother um, mm. who did not play. Talk about side eye. I mean, mm. you didn't, you, she could just look at you and you knew you were dead. 
you know, she never had to raise a voice or raise a hand because that, that Cuban death stare, that's that's legit. So Oh, black mamas like that too. Oh yeah. So yeah. so black, so if, black and Hispanic moms. So if your mom did raise her voice because randomly, maybe Alana just did not listen this one time. Give me your best mom impression of her getting on your ass. <laughs> oh man, trying to in, be my in mom. her language too. Qué clase estúpida está. Hágame un favor y vaya para la cuarto, porque yo no sé lo que tú estás haciendo, pero eso no hace aquí. So I heard. If you don't sit your ass down, you're going to get this back end. Here's what I heard. I don't want to have to tell you again. I'm only going to tell you once. And I don't know is not a good answer. Yeah, no. It was It was more of, what do you think? You know, you don't do that type of stuff here. We don't act like that type of crazy. I was a really, actually, I was a really good kid. It was more my sister, who's seven years younger, that would push the envelope. Oh, okay. Cool, snitch. Rihanna was a... Was the one that would uh, would test the boundaries, yeah. like you know, sneaking out of the house, going to the going into the the woods and drinking beer. I would never. I would be. I I was such a good goody two shoe kid because I was terrified of my Cuban mother. What she was. There's nothing a police officer could do to me that would be that's worse right. than what my mom would do to me. Yeah. Well, you know, we have your sister on line too. Growing up in Colorado for you. You know, being a mother, having a mother that was Cuban American, right, and being a single mom, what what was it like for you to 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 experience that as a as a kid? You know, I remember my parents got divorced when I was ten, so my dad wasn't really in the picture for probably twenty five years of my life, and it was actually a tragedy in the family that caught that kind of like brought everybody back together to a certain extent. I'm so sorry my to mom hear was. That. Oh, thank you. My mom was born and raised in Havana, Cuba. So she, with my grandparents, escaped the communist regime. And so it was like little Havana is, is Miami, Florida. So she came to the States when she was 22. You know, the story that you've heard a million times coming to the States for a better life. It was her, my grandparents, my uncle and my aunt. And my mom had already gone through university in Cuba. So she was a 22-year-old in Miami, Florida, a new culture, new experience. And she basically taught herself how to speak English by watching television. The commercials, the repetition of the commercials uh, are what taught her how to speak English. Well, fast forward many, many years, and she ends up getting her master's degree and you know, is, becomes a Spanish teacher, all the while doing it while raising two daughters on her own, mm. working full-time and going to school one class at a time. And we basically got our master's degrees around the same time. And just seeing that, um, whoa, 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 yeah, wow. you, my mom and I got our master's degrees the around same, the same time, the same around time. the same time period. Yeah. That because my mom was really going one class cool. at a time, you know, and wow. I, I did the traditional path, obviously, like I went to school and, uh, then I worked for five years and I went back to school to get a master's and just the way that the timing worked out. So my mom is the most amazing woman. If I could be half the person she is, uh, I'm good to go. So I was raised in a very strict household where you didn't you didn't do anything wrong because my mom was killing herself to to make it happen for us and you know my dad wasn't in the picture and my mom was everything so to this day i send my mom father's day cards mm. um wow. 
because she's just an important figure in my life wow. and she never pressured me, but always supported me. And I think there's a, there's a big difference in that. So I'm very lucky that, that she's my mom. What other attributes do you think you've gleaned from your mom? I think uh, work ethic, number one, um, the, you know, risking kind of betting on yourself. You know, I completely switched gears to go back into, to go back to school, to get into journalism. Um, you know, not putting up with anything, not putting up with any BS. You know, my dad sent like 283 bullshit dollars a month for two kids, you know, and my mom was a, at the time, like a, a secretary. And, you know, that's, I, I always laugh at that Tupac song that, you know, mama made miracles every Thanksgiving. Cause that's kind of what I felt like. I didn't know we were broke. I didn't know we didn't have any money. Um, Most broke you know? people don't know they broke. I've, yeah. I've which there's actually, a, there's actually a blessing in that. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't have. You don't there's, there's a, I get what she's saying. There's, there's a protection in it. I mean, I've, yeah. I, I've grown up similar the same way and it's, it's been well into my thirties before I realized like, dang, when we got that box and it had the white label that just had beans and pork, like that was from the food bank. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. realize that till to your thirties. I mean, late twenties, thirties realizing like when you look back and when you yeah. working in the industry, like you, you realize like, dang, that's what that was from. I you, just don't, you don't, you don't thought, know what you don't know back then. I, yeah, I, I thought the I definition of being rich was if I had um, leather seats in a car and a garage, I thought that's what it meant Ooh, to mom, be rich. Like if was, you had, if you had like a garage. Mine was if you, if someone, if I went over someone's house and they had steps, I thought they were rich. If you had steps in your house, I was like, oh mm. yeah, they rich. I don't, I'm, I'm thrown off because I knew my ass was poor way before I was <laughs> You figured that one out? I figured that out. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is what's revealed, even like those those minor things where, and I think this is what Alana's saying, like you didn't, you don't know what your mom goes through mm -hmm. in order to get you, you just know you didn't miss a meal, but you don't know what your mm -hmm. mom did in order to get that meal on the table, like that stuff for, at least for me, it didn't get revealed way later on, right? Like, of course, I knew my mom had two jobs. I knew she worked at the movies, and then I know she had an admin job. Like, I knew that. But some of the things, the in-between stuff of like, all right, well, I just thought we had a box of food. I didn't know that the box of food came from the food bank because she went there on a Friday. But you go there on a Friday. Like, stuff like that. Or because my grandma and my aunt had done that. So I, did, I didn't know. I, I'm just kind of dumbing it down for me is I knew. I didn't know. I didn't know I was poor, poor. But I knew, like, we were struggling. Like, I, I realized, I didn't realize in our twenties that we were poor. We didn't have anything. I realized at like sixteen, mm -hmm. seventeen, twelve. Like, at tw the normalcy of food stamps for us. You're right. I, you know, I knew I was a lunch. You know, I, I had free lunch, so I, I mm -hmm. knew that we didn't have a lot. But I, I knew my ass was poor. Like, I knew. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't feel that way. I mean, we did we did free and reduced lunches too, but I didn't I don't think I had it, you know, to to your level. I, I think there's people that in my life and my community that, you know, we certainly were uh fortunate to to have more than that. And I just did you know, I didn't uh, back in the day where there was a store called Pick and Save. And that was yeah, a store yeah. that was like, you know, we would go clothing. And yep. I remember my mom getting made fun of because like my mom had shirts from pick and save. Yep. And now it's like, you know, just stupid, stupid stuff. Yeah. I remember like saving money forever to buy my first pair of British Knights. And I bought Ooh, my first pair of British Knights. <laughs> but listen, I never but had listen to this though. My mom made me give them or take them back because she thought they meant blood killers. <laughs> no, they're, they're, that, 
they so are not I had being to take them back. That. <laughs> that devastated me. I didn't yeah. know. I, I mean, yeah. I just wanted these pink and white BKs. I Mom didn't knew know. about the hood. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, so it's it's just a, you know I but I wouldn't no change my over my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. No, I had I listen. I had more Payless shoe store shoes than anything. Oh, XJ nine hundreds. Like, Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I didn't oh, have yeah. bikes. I had bikes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, from Sears. I wouldn't change my childhood for anything. <laughs> Flat ass soul. Right. 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 I yeah. I remember I bought my aunt, my mom bought some. I was in the seventh grade, right? Reminiscent. I had some female. L.A. gears, they were black. I remember. I remember those. Gears. But they were, <laughs> hold on, hold on. They were purple. With the, with the white L.A. gear on the back. Oh, and they were yeah. purple. Stepping high. So yeah. they were purple. So I took the marker uh-huh. and, and marked, black. marked it black. Uh-huh. But how did we get the L.A. gears? It was on uh, Centinella Avenue over there mm-hmm. down the street from that uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles down in Pico. And yep. we got we got them. From a dude out of a trunk at my aunt Valerie's house, and mm. bought for like, even mom was trying to willow them down, trying to get them to go down. It was like we ended up paying like twenty five bucks, and mom mm. was like, she was pushing like yeah. he <laughs> is not. Co- I can get somebody like this. Yeah, and twenty five bucks out of the back trunk of a Coupe de Ville uh-huh. of a dope <laughs> boys that he got from somewhere else. So yes, like. This is awesome because it's not it's not more of like um this conversation isn't like oh who was poorer or who uh, who knew who was no, poor but relatable. I just I yeah. just think it's awesome and it's it's good to hear like the very the, the various point of views of poor like you're poor you didn't realize till after what you experienced mm-hmm. then your your mom realized and was knew it when she was going on and then my poorness was I knew I was poor. We were operating out of it to the point of where, like, I'm going to the store with a $5 food stamp, mm-hmm. right, to buy bread. And coming back, you don't spend it on no candy. Like, you're supposed to get mm-hmm. some bread, and that's what you're supposed to get. Make sure you double-check it's not moldy, mm-hmm. right? And so, but, just, you, but you appreciate what absolutely. you are now, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, it yeah. makes it that much sweeter. Oh, there's nothing in the world I would have rather had than mine. I had a great childhood. No, I, I had a wonderful childhood. I would, would, would change a few things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but I those are things that I, shape you. Those are the things that shape yeah. you, too. Yeah. And, and then yeah. as you, I'm sure, Alana, as you went through your career, those intangibles that you got from your mother and, and through your lived experience, it creates, that, it, it creates that grind culture for you. No question. I mean, there, there is a... I would be nothing without those challenges and struggles. I'd be nothing without um, the sacrifices that I saw my mom go through. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got to the point where I could secretly pay her car insurance every six months. And, mm-hmm. you know, That's I would cool. buy, I would be the one that bought Brianna school supplies. And my mom always provided for us. I, I don't, I don't want to paint a picture. No, where no, I'm you're like, not. Whoa, woe is me, this, that, and the other. I, like I said, we had a great childhood, but to get to the point where I could take some of the burden off of her. Let her breathe. Oh. It, it was was just, you know it was a it was a blessing and and to be able to pay for school myself cool. and finally get all those stupid student loans paid off mm. and you know just to come from I think my parents or my mom specifically it's like those are the the types of stories that's what the American dream is you yeah. come to this place or you try to make your your life better than you had it and you want your kids to be more successful than you were and my mom did that and now you know there's nothing in the world I 
I wouldn't do for her because if not for the way she was, I, I wouldn't be nearly as successful as I am. She's an amazing woman. And, you know, to think of this, could you imagine? I mean, they it, they left Cuba legally, but it took them five years to get out. And imagine if you guys take the stuff you have right now and someone were to, the government rushes into that room where you are and you basically have to just give them your keys to your home, everything you own, the clothes on your back is what you can take. You walk out the door and you have to go to another country. That's what they had to do. I can't imagine. And she hasn't been back since and she won't go back until the communist regime is completely over, which may not even be in her lifetime. Mm. But that's what they had to do. And they never bitched about it. They never complained. They came to this country and they and they made it and they and they figured it out. And that's that's why I am the way I am. To, to, I can't even imagine. You know, we complain about everything now. I can't imagine what that would have been like to be uprooted from everything you knew, go to a country, don't know the language, have no friends, have no life, have no job until, you know, you, you figure it out. So yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to be where I am because of her. You have the opportunity to get up and experience everything you're experiencing because of what your mom had to endure for you to be here and be present today. No question. So I'm very, I'm that, that's very part of your story. So, yeah. you know, own that thing. So, you know, <laughs> you know. I do. I own it. I love cut to it and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at cut to it on Instagram. What about Twitter? At cut to it. Facebook? Cut to it featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at cuttoitpodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. Um, ah. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it, podcast.com. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. It seems like there's a lot that you're into. You're a woman. You got a lot of interests. You are with a wine brand. 
And you also yeah. have this foundation that you were talking about earlier around dogs. Why is it important to you to have these different things going on outside of your day-to-day job with the MLB Network? Well, I think it's so important to, A, to have balance. You know, I think this is the first time in my life where I've had work and life balance. It's always been such a grind, you know, trying to get to the next level and, and you know, continue to prove yourself and, you know, achieve, achieve bigger, stronger, faster type of situation. And now for the first time, I've just, you know, I've been doing this for 15, 16, 17 years. So it's nice to have a balance between life and work. And, um, you know, leaving the Dodgers was not an easy decision. And uh, they were so good to me. And I will forever be indebted to that organization. They treated me like family, which is not to say that all, all organizations all do, do that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot don't. And I've been, I was very fortunate to be there for seven years and, and cover some pretty incredible things and meet some really amazing people. Um, but Gidry's is a passion project for me. I, I'm very much into uh, rescuing animals, um, particularly dogs. And I adopted Gidry when, um, back in 2009. And it just opened up my my mind and my heart to the need for adoption and fostering and big cities, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Dallas, Miami have a massive, massive overcrowding problem in shelters and hundreds of thousands of dogs get euthanized on a yearly basis just because of overcrowding and you know, LA and, you know, the, the inner cities and some of these bigger cities have a huge problem of yeah. um, stray, you dogs know, and- stray dogs and, and people that don't our people, Latin folk, um, don't always understand, like, you know, and, and black folks too, don't always, yeah. it's just a different, like, they don't understand my the family responsibility of an animal or an how animal. to treat an animal. Yes. And, and it's not, they're not seen as parts of, of as a member of the family. Yep. So just education, that's important to me. So Gidry's is a passion project of mine and the wine stuff. I'm just a scout and seller consultant. I enjoy having a side hustle. I enjoy diversifying income. It's not my company, but I'm just a consultant for it. I love to drink wine. I love to have uh, friends over, entertain, and I like to be busy. I'm not. I'm not good idle. I will always do something, and uh, it allows me to, you know, make some extra cash and What's continue it? to fly mama out here. What is a consultant for wine? So basically, Scout and Cellar is a company that was started about four years ago in Dallas, Texas, by a woman. It's it's clean crafted wine, so it's. Um, no added sulfides, no added preservatives, no added sugar. Just like um, all the good, all the good stuff without the bad stuff. Um, we but, can't promote health benefits. I'm not suggesting no, no, anything no, no. medically. No, I, I'm not saying that. I <laughs> Disclaimer. Just lo- I just love how you said that, but I'm just asking on the consulting part of wine because, yes. like, what do you so mean? So I, cons- I just like sell wine. I sell wine. Like I have a website. Yeah. It's like scoutandseller.com slash Alana Rizzo, and okay. people can go buy wine from me. Like Mary like, Kay. Kind of, yeah. but it's wine. It's not, yeah, it's so, not rocket science. So I need to it's go to Alana when I figure out like what kind of wine I need to pair with what yeah. meal. Like, yeah. you just can't, you can't yeah, put the had... Moscato with like the yeah, no, and it, and steak. Your steak on the stick, you can't put the Moscato with that. Let me with tell you that. something, that black, fo- that black folks go to Moscato. Listen, when Drake rapped about Moscato on So Far Gone, everybody went to get Moscato. It was a rap That was actually the first wine that I tasted Moscato because it was, it was so A lot of sulfites, a lot of sulfites in Moscato. And sugar, but, but because yeah, it's a dessert wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dessert wine. It, it is known for dessert wine. Yeah, but it's known hey, for yeah. getting you tore out the frame. That's what it's known for. You probably drink some Alize. Hey, Moscato is like old English, That's right? So That's what I said. You, yeah, you, it's like. Uh, St. Ives. It's like Donald Duck orange juice, eight ball Moscato. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, Flame no, of Hot Cheetos. No. <laughs> 
This might be super random and old, but is Gidry, was Gidry named after Ron Gidry? Yes, yes. So, and I always, jo- I always joke that Gidry was a Southpaw. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to give you a little more. So when I was young, I grew up in Syracuse and we used to go watch oh, the Chiefs play. Gidry used to babysit me when I was younger. Oh my God. That's a story. You know what? That explains everything. Yeah, he did. So we'd go see the Chiefs. Bobby Cox was their manager back in the day. Oh Craig Nettles, Kerry Deneen, all the old uh, school ones. Yeah. So when you said Gidry, like my, I go way yeah, back with him, obviously. He yeah. still, he still lives in New Orleans. Um, wow. He, uh, it's funny. I had to, I interviewed him for something on MLB mm-hmm. network and I told him, I said, listen, I named my dog after you. And he was like, Oh, that's nice. I said, no, 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 no. Wait. I said, I also named my foundation after you. So, wow. um, yeah, so that's who it's named after cool. uh, my dad, my dad's from New York. And, you know, be- before I was covering, uh, the Rockies, I, I guess I was a Yankee fan. I just love the name. Uh, and there was already a Jeter in the family. So I named him Gidry. Yeah. As soon as you um, said that, that's where I went to. I was like, and, and uh, that's cool. That's really yeah, cool. So it's Gidry's guardian foundation. And, uh, now my dog's uh, name is Bentley after Dirk's Bentley. Cause I love country music. So <laughs> you also, you recently had Hank, Hank Aaron's wife in studio. What was that experience like? Talking uh, to her? She's such a lovely, so classy, just such a lovely, lovely woman. And obviously still very emotional of the passing of her husband, mm-hmm. who's an icon in this game and yeah. a, a giant of a man, literally. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. just, just a wonderful, wonderful human being and uh, had an opportunity because it was the Hank Aaron award mm-hmm. um, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., won it this year um, in the American League and then Bryce Harper won it in the National League. And to have an opportunity to have her in studio was uh, was very special. And, you know, Vlad was there and um, I was there to do the translation in Spanish for him. And um, she's just a lovely woman. And, um, you know, what he meant to baseball um, is so special. And, And to be able to see her and, you know, kind of serve as the translator between her and, and Vlad and, you know, obviously Harold Reynolds was there and stuff too. So it was very special. Um, but we lost a, a, an unbelievable man in this sport, lost an unbelievable icon. I was traveling um, and had a layover in Atlanta. I've been in, you know, living in Charlotte 20 years now and, and I have a layover in Atlanta and I've had numerous layovers in Atlanta and hadn't paid attention one time. And this actu- in this uh, gate, Terminal E, I never paid attention to, and they have a it's the international um, part where a lot of and it, it actually has a really good Delta uh, lounge where it's pretty good, right? One of the interesting things is I had never paid attention to the display they had, which was Martin Luther King, and they had a picture of Martin Luther King, and he was playing, he was pitching a baseball with his daughters, and they had the bat and the ball. Then they had a picture of when uh, Martin Luther King uh, spoke at one of the churches and they had his robe. And then they had, I hmm. believe, his speech, one of his speeches, and it was handwritten. And you could see the ink and all that stuff, and they preserved it. And they had all these little things. And I just noticed 20 years later that, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I was given an assignment, our whole class, at that time, to learn Dr. Martin Luther King's speech. And what I'm getting to is there are so many times that I've I have been in that airport, but this one time I got to see this display, and I took my time walking around, and I read pretty much everything on there, and I looked at the pictures, and I was like, wow, how ignorant have I been that yet 
this has been at my fingertips for so long. So you being a woman, woman of ethnicity, talk to us because I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to be ignorant, but I am ignorant because the ignorance is lack of knowledge. How much, because I'm not a baseball guy through and through, how much have men of color, men of the Latino descent, impacted baseball in which we've had a Jackie Robinson day and everybody wears a number until that modern movie shows, we don't really know the impact. How much have men of color or people of color in baseball, I wouldn't say marginalized, but haven't really gotten their flowers in in the way they should because of the history and the lack of color baseball has had? I mean, you think about the the fact that there had to be a Negro Leagues before um, they weren't allowed to play in Major League Baseball. I mean, you look at Branch Rickey, who signed Jackie Robinson. Uh, you obviously just mentioned yep. uh, the late, great Jackie Robinson. Branch Rickey not only signed Jackie Robinson, he also signed Roberto Clemente. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to, they had unbelievable impact uh, in, in baseball. And you look at now the fact that, you know, some of these guys are finally getting into the hall of fame based on the veterans committee and, and the gold era committee and those types of things. Um, there's so many, and I highly encourage before I forget, there's so many opportunities to learn um, to your point of, of going and looking at the display and everything. You absolutely must go to the Negro leagues museum in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely must go to the Roberto Clemente museum in Pittsburgh. They are unbelievable. And you were talking about Martin Luther King, Don Newcomb. If you guys are Dodgers fans, you know, the late great Don Newcomb, um, you know, knew Dr. King and, 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 and did many things in terms of the civil rights movement with Dr. King as did Jackie. And they had such an impact, not only on the game, just making it better from a pure standpoint of skill and athleticism and and just baseball IQ, Mm -hmm. but what they had to go through and endure just to play the sport that we love is unbelievable. And, you know, it is such an international game now. I mean, you think about the fact that there's, I mean, I'm guessing here, I don't know this, but there's probably 10, 11, 12 different countries Mm -hmm. represented in, in, in baseball. Um, you know, now it's a requirement that we have, uh, Spanish speaking translators in every single clubhouse where before, you know, two, three years ago, that wasn't even a thing. We've wow. always had, you know, translators, obviously for our Korean players, our Japanese players, our Chinese, Taiwanese players. Um, but think about the Latin influence, the, the black and Latin influence, uh, of players that have come from Cuba, the Dominican right. Republic, um, you know, Venice, Venezuela, uh, Puerto Rico, which I understand is, is a part of the United States, but you know, uh, I know um, what you mean. Yeah, I, I, but it's, I it's, a, it's, it's a, a huge, it's, it's a huge impact that they've had on the sport. And now they're finally being able to, they're, they're making changes to the, the hall of fame, the baseball hall system to be able to recognize some of these great players. Yeah. Buck O'Neill <laughs> just went in this year, Minnie Minosa, yep. those Minnie Minosa. Yeah. And I think it's yep. one of those things where it's, it's, you always have to take the time to pause and reflect. Like it's so easy to reduce down to Hank Aaron. You just remember those visuals of him, you know, rounding in the bases and, and breaking Babe Ruth's record, but not remembering that he was getting hate mail 
right before he was getting ready to break that record or um, he was doing this during separate but equal. So he was often having to book his own travel because he couldn't be with his white counterparts or Mm -hmm. him and Jackie Robinson getting batteries thrown at them or getting spat on or uh, rocks being thrown at them. And you even brought up the Latino players, like a lot of them in the early 1900s, they would not list that they were Latino so that they could play. Mm -hmm. So they would they would. I'm not want to say disguise themselves as white men, but they would make sure they didn't list what their ethnicity well, they, was, they, they so that they could play. And this is even before. So I think some the, the they remove their they remove their heritage to just get be given an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Well, know? and just to survive, honestly. Yeah. I and mean, it's got, the reason it's remember. the reason that when we come over to the United States, and you know, people come into Ellis Island in New York, that people are I don't even know if my last name is really Rizzo. It could have been like you know something super long that was very ethnic. Yeah. Um, so you know, what? You, so Smith was not there. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm guess you didn't Smith come was, over here with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, folks, yeah, you ain't come over here with that. No. But I think the other part too is we talk about you know, like you started off saying the lack of color in baseball. But I think the flip side of the coin too is remembering that in some instances baseball has been a barrier breaker, right? When you think about mm-hmm. these Latino players in the early 1900s, you think about Jackie Robinson, you think about Hank Aaron, even down to just this year about the All Star Game getting moved. Whether however you feel about that, but aligning with the voter uh, with the voter laws like a lot of times they've been on the front lines too. So I think you have to give it as just do on both ends to where, yeah, there had been a lack, but it's also a lot of times they're, they're the ones who are, you know, on the front lines of, um, of segregation and, and, and all along those lines. So you have to look at it on dual sides of the coin. And I think we're doing a better job now in baseball of, of trying to bring Caucasian players, black players, uh, Latin players, Asian players together. I mean, the Players Alliance that has been formed um, from, you know, active players in the Mookie Betts of the world mm-hmm. and former players, the CC Sabathias of the world, but it's not just African-American players that are involved in this. It's, uh, you know, everybody coming together and, and for the same, the same way that a man needs to stand up for a woman and say, hey, did, make sure you guys watch yeah. this all-female broadcast. It's the same thing when you have a guy like the Clayton Kershaw's of the world standing next to the guys like Mookie Betts of the mm-hmm. world and saying, Hey, he's my teammate. He's my brother. Yeah. I'm if he doesn't want to play on this day, I'm standing with him as, as, as a, as a, as a human, not as a white player, as a human being standing next to my, my, my teammate and my brother. And I, I you know, we have a long way to go, but I am proud of the strides that um, to your point that, you know, I, I do believe baseball is making because it is a global game and it is an international sport. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it. Cut to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from cuttoitpodcast.com where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. 
Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. I do think for a long time in baseball, some of the considered the founding fathers are people that necessarily don't always have not represented the whole culture of baseball. Like Cecil Page had been playing baseball a long time, but yet some of his records – because the Negro League was not even mm-hmm. recognized mm-hmm. as a real they, league. They just starting to integrate that. That he his his stats weren't there, or, or even in football, like so, you know, statistically, they weren't recording people. But it wasn't they weren't recording them because of color of their skin. They just didn't have the bandwidth to do the statistics. But in baseball, it's always been statistics. They've always captured, right? And they talk about the Lou Gehrig's, the Babe Ruth's. You know, the Hank Aarons, but there's even people before them that were doing things that didn't get an opportunity to capture that because they said, well, this individual is a person that we don't really deem acceptable. So we're not going to acknowledge what they were doing three or four years before they before Beirut came on the scene as Beirut. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I, I just I, I appreciate you answering that and. And just talking about it, but it was also one of those things that I noticed what I missed, and it was right before my eyes over all the years that I've traveled. So I was just wondering how many things have you kind of sometimes don't get the opportunity to to talk about because the people that are, you know, asking the questions don't always uh, willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, I I was ignorant to this. No, I, I appreciate the question and I appreciate your honesty with it. I, I do think, I mean, you can't, I can't say it enough. You have to be, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of erasing history and acting like it never mm-hmm. happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent of, of learning from it and moving forward. I think it's so important to see what all of the African-American players did and that Negro leagues museum, yes. it, it is, it's a, it's a must, it is a must see. It's and on the list. we, yeah. we have very few off days in baseball. Um, but one off day I had was in Pittsburgh and going to that Roberto Clemente museum was mm-hmm. one of the highlights of my career. Not to mention they have a winery downstairs. So you can just, you know, uh, here we wine go. and wine and baseball. <laughs> there you go. go. If there would have been a bunch of dogs there, it would have been the best yep, day of my heaven. life. But um, yeah, no, it's, it, it's it's important to be yep. able to um, to understand what what all of these people went through. I yep. mean, just to be able to play, just to be able to survive, just to be able to provide for their families, you know. And another thing too, I think we're in 
a dangerous territory. Yes, we are. Along more of what you were saying, Steve, about, you know, just because I don't like the behavior doesn't mean I don't like you. I think we're in a very dangerous territory that just because you disagree with somebody does not mean you have to cancel that person. Um, I think we're in a very dangerous spot of cancel culture, I think. Um, And another thing, when it comes just to professional athletes about you may not like the behavior, but you can still like the person, I think fans people not a, as you know not a professional athlete need to understand that you guys are people first and players second i think people i think we idolize celebrities professional athletes musicians um to the point where we forget that they are people first and we forget that they have families and, and feelings and yes i know we, they get paid a lot of money i get it but it doesn't mean that you can treat people with such disrespect and vitriol. And that's something that, that frustrates me too, you know, and because then it ultimately it comes out as the athlete was stuck up or the athlete was this, where it's like, you don't tell the full story of, Hey, I interrupted that individual's birthday party or he, you know, his, or or just the spewing that you guys get on the field or the things that, you know, and it's like, and God forbid you say anything back Oh yeah, yeah, because then you're the, you know, you're the bad guy. So yeah, yeah, I think it just comes down to respect in general. I don't, I don't think it's that difficult, but it's we tough. seem to have gotten away from that a little bit. Yeah. Well, Alana, we really appreciate your time, man. This was yeah, awesome. Like, I hope You're welcome, you, I you guys. Hope you thank enjoyed you. it. No, it was fun. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed talking to you, and, and thanks for the opportunity, and uh, keep in touch. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent, and most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. <laughs> Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, Executive producer, Steve Smith Sr. Co-host, Gerard Littlejohn. Talent and booking manager, Joe Fushi. Social media team, Wesley Robinson and John Show From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production coordinator, Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? 
You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC.